Network presents The Interviews with Lorenzo Melcher. Thank you for downloading the podcast. I am Lorenzo. With me today is Superintendent of Perrysburg Schools, Tom Hostler. Tom, thanks for joining me on the podcast. No, I'm, I'm honored. Thanks. This, this is a... I've only made notes, pre-show notes for two people. You're the second one. The first one was Coach Kriegel. Okay, so I, that's I, important. I, I had a bunch of, uh, I had some things that were talked, uh, Scott Buecher sent me a lot of info. All right. Well, that worries me already. <laughs> no, it's, it's all good. <laughs> He's, He's a great guy. Yeah. Um, so you're still in a suit and tie. It's seven o'clock at night. I'm a, your day is still going. Yeah. Right? I just, just wrapped up at the office. So had, had a meeting tonight, so it worked out real well and wrapped that up and, and, uh. Are your days normally long like this? You know, I look at it this way. I, I only worked a half a day from okay. 7 to 7. Okay. So that's just a half a day. So yeah. it's all, all the mindset. So, all right. you know, there's some days that, that are long and, and um, you know, and there's certain times of the year where you just know it's going to be that way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's part of the gig. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, well, I'd like to, I don't know too much about you. Yep. Um, where, where, have you been in Ohio your whole life or... or? Or where would you grow up? Yeah, I, I grew up here in, in, in Northwest Ohio. Okay. So I grew up in Point Place. It's, uh, it's kind of on the northeast uh, point of, of Toledo, mm-hmm. right on the Michigan line. And, um, you know, it was a great place to, to grow up. We, we lived off of Shoreland, uh, which, which is a road that goes along the Ottawa River. Okay. So grew up in a neighborhood with just tons of kids, yeah. and they were all great, and, and the area was really undeveloped. So the the river had woods and, and, you know, grass, it was undeveloped. And we spent so much time down there, um, just doing all kinds of crazy things and fishing and, you know, had a swing that we dropped. We had to wear our tennis shoes in the river because it was a little bit polluted. Okay. Um, actually it was a lot polluted. We (laughs) found out later. (laughs) So, but, uh, you know, there was rocks and jagged stuff and, and, uh, but it was a lot of fun. And, uh, my friends growing up every time we had kids, We'd always call each other to make sure they didn't have gills or eleven fingers <laughs> that, that or something. Polluted, huh? Yeah, it was one. Actually, there were signs that went up after we got into oh, after no. we became teenagers that it was like you know it was one of the most polluted rivers in wow. Ohio. So is it, is it still like that? Do you know? They've done a great job of cleaning it up. Oh, okay, good. You know, so it comes in right at the Maumee. So the Maumee River is on one side of Point Place. The Ottawa's on the other side. Okay. So there's a lot of water, a lot of creeks. Um, and uh, the Ottawa flows from Maumee Point Place all the way out to the University of Toledo oh, through Wildwood. Right. So it goes past Jeep. It goes past the Dura Landfill. Oh, There's wow. all that industrial stuff in North Toledo. Yeah. And I think a lot of years, folks just put a drain pipe and drain stuff in it. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> What's well, good to... Well, just like all the lakes and, and water yep. areas are getting a lot better around here. Yeah. So so went uh, went to Shoreland Elementary. And um, I have two younger brothers and, and mom and dad, and I uh, had a great experience at Shoreland Elementary School. They were the Firebirds, Washington local, okay. went to Jefferson Junior High, and then I ended up going to St. Francis. So I graduated from St. Francis um, and uh, went to Toledo and, and Wayne State and have just been, been in the area. I worked in Michigan as a school administrator, okay. um, a coach and uh, superintendent, but um, but I've always lived in Ohio. I couldn't get my wife, who's not from Northwest Ohio, to, to cross the state line. She went to Ohio State. Okay. She said, Michigan smells <laughs> like hot dog water. We're not going to move there. I started out living in Perrysburg, uh, and I, I worked at St. John's. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
got a job as a principal up near Devil's Lake, and uh, I was really looking forward to getting back to living on water. Oh, uh, okay. And she's like, Couldn't no. And it was a 60-mile <laughs> commute from Perrysburg up to the school. Yeah. And yeah. I said, I, after a year, I said, I got to get closer. So she said, you can go to Sylvania. <laughs> That's it. That's as close as we're going to get. Yeah. You can, so. you, can, you can smell little wisps of hot dog water yes, from yes, there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm assuming... Um, you're the superintendent now. You've been in education. That's what you went to school for, and that's what you wanted to do for a long time. What what made you want to be in education? Yeah, you know, um, it, that that's a great question. I, I've, I was blessed to have really caring teachers along the way mm-hmm. and people that I really respected and admired. You know, I mentioned Shoreland Elementary. Mrs. Jankowski was a fifth-grade teacher there, and, and I, I was a walker, so I walked to school. Okay. And I'd get there early before students were allowed and she'd let me in the classroom and she'd put on Good Morning America and I'd help her get set up for the day and I loved the news, you know, I was kind of a nerdy kid. Mm-hmm. So I, that was pretty neat. Um, and, you know, junior high had, had some really great teachers at, at the junior high, you know, had a band teacher, I was in the band and, and uh, social studies teacher and St. Francis had some great experiences. So um, when I graduated, I was the first one in my family to, to go to college. Oh. So. My dad worked for Ford Motor Company, and, and it was a great job. And mm-hmm. you know, my mom worked at General Mills, and they, they earned a great living. And, yeah. But they, my dad especially was, you know, you want to do something that you like. Mm-hmm. You want to do something that you wake up excited to do. And you have to be careful because if you start getting a job that you don't feel that way and it pays well, it's kind of like a velvet handcuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there's been a couple times in my life um, where I've, before I began teaching, where I was working and making money, worked at General Mills, and and uh, I ended up quitting there and taking a pay cut to become a teacher. And the people I worked with were like, "You're crazy!" Yeah. And I was like, "It's not what I want to do. Yeah. It's a great living, and and that some people really enjoy doing it. But for me, you know, being with students, being in the classroom, coaching, those were really important." Yeah, and I've I've said that to kids that been on here, and I talked to Coach Drewsbeck about it too. That if you start your first job and it's all about money then you're always going to be chasing money and you're just not going to be happy. Right. My dad was the same way. He retired from GM. He started when he was 18, and, yeah. he, and he worked 31 years, and it paid the bills. And, but I knew he, even when I was young, I knew he wasn't happy. Right. Right. And, and then, you know, I, I went through the same thing. I, I, uh, when I was at UTMC, I turned down a, a um, plumber's apprenticeship program, but if I would have done it, I wouldn't have been able to coach. Yeah. And I love to coach. Yeah. You know? and, and things happened. And before that, I wasn't on the varsity, and now I am. So... If you stick with things that make you happy, it doesn't. Yeah. The pay doesn't matter. You can you can figure out how to live. Yeah, because yeah. you're happy. Yeah, no, that's important. Yeah. So, and uh, and that, that that's an important lesson to share with 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 kids because mm-hmm. it's easy to get off track. It's easy for adults to get off track. Yeah, too, so. yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> um, and you talked about uh, you coached. Mm-hmm. You used to coach you uh, track and cross country. Track and cross country. I did a I did a small stint with uh, girls basketball, mm-hmm. um, and, and you know I was in college and my first year in college and and um, and I you know I've I've shared the story you know a little bit with folks mm-hmm. um, because I think it, it 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 was one of those it was a defining moment in my life, um, it, but it was one that I didn't want to def- to define me yeah. in, in who I was and. And uh, after my first year in college, you know, towards the end, I wasn't doing well. I was kind of going the wrong direction. I had a great experience in high school, but just the freedom of college, being able to to, to do what I wanted when I wanted, um, really got me 
going in a wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't do very well academically. Okay. And I got in a little bit of trouble. And my parents sat me down and said, listen, this isn't who you are. Um, you, you need to do something different. We're not going to fund, you know, this lifestyle and, and you need to go to college. Yeah. And, uh, and that changed my direction because all of a sudden I went from, you know, ah, should I go to class or not go to class to now I'm working three, four jobs to earn enough money to take a couple classes. And I got into coaching then because I kind of did that inventory. Like I can't blame anybody for the situation I'm in. Okay. It's kind of like, this is on me. Yeah. And I knew, you know, I did some sports in high school and, and I, I knew what I wanted to do and, and I knew I wasn't the person that I wanted to be. And so I, I really got into coaching as a way of like, this is the direction I, I need to change the direction of my life. Okay. And, and so I started out, um, like with, uh, uh, like it was a second, third grade soccer volunteer coach. Oh, wow. And, and it was a soccer league in point place. I played, I did, I was soccer in high school mm-hmm. and then track. I didn't do cross country. And uh, got running again, and then um, there was uh, Erie Mason. There was a uh, um, a track job that was open at the junior high, so I, you know, sent in a resume, a letter, um, got a call, and uh, you know, he hired me. And it was a cinder track, you know. <laughs> I think it was like probably one of the last cinder tracks in the state. This is like in the late '80s, wow. and if it rained, we couldn't have meats because it washed the chalk off the cinders. <laughs> Man. Yeah, it was, but it, they were great kids. It was a great experience, and and um, and then that fall, Jack Michael was the athletic director. He's a great guy, and uh, legend in Erie Mason, Erie, Michigan. And and uh, he said, "Hey, uh, I need a junior high basketball coach. You, you played basketball." I go, "If you ask my coach what I did, it wasn't playing basketball." <laughs> so. And you were there. You were a warm body. We yeah. need you. So I did it. And uh, and the first night, he goes, we got a couple of rules. So you can't cut any kids from the team and everybody gets to play. And I'm like, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. You know? And I had just done the volunteer stuff, so I get it. Yeah. And um, and my, my thing was, I just want kids to have fun and keep coming back. So the first night of tryout, though they weren't tryouts, first night of practice, there were about 11 girls that showed up, uh-huh. you know, seventh grade girls. I'm like, this is very manageable. Yeah. I don't know what happened, but 24 hours later, the next practice, we had 31 girls oh, out no. there. <laughs> I think it was the entire seventh grade and girls. You can't cut. <laughs> so I ended up coaching that season. It was like wow. I was Scotty Bowman. <laughs> it was like, okay, we've got, you know, we're going to, we got a new shift. So yeah. over the boards. Um, and, and it was a lot of fun. You try to learn and, and, you know, managing that many students and, or athletes and, I, I did get a technical called on me. It was in Dundee, Michigan. We were playing Dundee Junior High or whatever the name of it is. Yeah. I, I literally had like 30 girls on the team, and I had them in squads of five. And yeah. I had a clipboard to keep track of, you know, and they're only like five-minute quarters. So it's just Jeez. like every time. So I walked down to the end of the bench because the next five are going in. And mm-hmm. I needed talent. Like, okay, you have number 12, you know, because oh, this yeah. is seventh grade. yeah. And uh, and then the ref blows the whistle, and I'm like, "Okay, girls, go on. You're you know, good, good, to, great timing." And he comes over to the, the and, and he's like technical, and I'm like, "What?" And he goes, "I'm the coach." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> My back was too. What? I'm not even paying attention to the game. I'm just trying to manage the girl. And he's like, "You left the coaching box." Uh. I'm just like, "Are you are you serious? I have 31 girls. Uh. You didn't even set up enough chairs for us. They're like sitting up in the stands." Like, uh, so, so that was great. And then, um, 
and then I was doing a lot of running, you know, just uh, road running and. and uh, oh, oh, one sec. Um, yeah. Tell me about a practice with 31 girls. And it's just you, right? Just you coaching? Nobody else? Yeah, no, no. So it, it was brutal. So, you know, it was, that was a long hour because the practices were like an hour. So it was a long hour. So we did a lot of running drills. Yeah. The first, so the coach wanted to meet with me, the high school coach, uh-huh. and brought me in and, and uh, went to his coach's office. And he wanted me to watch a couple of their practices. So yeah. I did. And then he gave me a stack of stuff like, okay, we, we run the amoeba pit defense, and this is what we want to do. And if we want to run these plays, so I'm studying up. And yeah. they didn't know the rules. So yeah. the first day of practice was, okay, who, who's played basketball before? You know, <laughs> what are the rules? Okay. And it was just that. There, yeah. there were a handful, probably about seven or eight girls that were really um, competitive. Mm-hmm. And uh, had played basketball, and so that helped out a lot because you can team them up and show. Yeah. And some girls were just out there, I think, because they thought it was fun, and yeah. you know. But um, yeah, <laughs> that, so. that's a that, that that sounds like a nightmare. That's so many kids to if yeah. for one coach. Yeah. You know, I yeah. when I coached my son's t-ball team yeah. uh, maybe three four years ago. There was probably like 11 or 12 kids out there, and they're five and six, and that felt like too many, yeah, you know? Yeah, I can't, yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah, it, it, you know, they were, they were good. And, you know, so we did a, just a lot of the basics. So mm-hmm. the, the, uh, the, the folders and the drills that I had designed, I mean, I, I, I didn't do that. Yeah. I mean, it was just the basics of, you know, dribbling and, mm-hmm. you know, that, that was it. So try to teach them a fundamental and, um, you know, he, the coach had me, um, athletic director said, Hey, we need someone to run the clocks. And so oh, okay. I got pulled into those things yeah. and, you know, but, but it, it really, you know, it gave me a chance as a young guy, um, to, 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 to be in, in that environment and to help out. And, you know, like I said, you start building relationships, yeah. you know, Jack Michael, someone that I, you know, connected with you know years later and you know so it, it, it's pretty neat so yeah. and and forgive me you might have said th- this is before you're in high school now still so no i'm in college okay, so okay. yeah yeah middle of college and uh so so did that so so while i was in college like i said this was the this was the kind of thing i wanted to do i knew mm-hmm. i wanted to do it i knew it was something that was going to keep me from going back to the knuckleheaded stuff that okay, i was doing yeah. before and uh so then um there was uh, so that fall I coached girls basketball because Michigan at the time girls basketball was in the fall. Oh, okay. Boys basketball was in the winter, um, and uh, so that doing some competitive running. Um, my roommate in college, Bob Masters, he's mm-hmm. uh, he works now. He's retired from Bedford, but he works with Dave's Running Shop. Um, was a was a really accomplished runner, you know, Olympic qualifier. Oh, wow. And um, so doing some running, mostly chasing them, but yeah. uh, doing some running and uh, got connected with some guys. And, and um, there was an opening at St. Francis for track. So the track coach at the time was one of my teachers, um, Paul Gilsdorf. And, and he said, hey, we're going to have an opening, coach middle distance, some jumps. You know, what do you think? Yeah. And I'm like, I'd love to. Yeah. So it was my first, you know, chance at coaching at the high school ranks. And during that time, I got to know uh, the distance coach. His name was Gary Bryan. Um, and Gary approached me at the end of the season and said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to be the head track or head cross country coach at St. Francis. And uh, I'd like you to be an assistant. And, and that Gary outside of my immediate family is probably the person that influenced me the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, uh, became an assistant at St. Francis coach with them for two years, but just moving forward, went up to Monroe Catholic central or St. Mary's, uh, co- coach cross country track there. And then I got hired at St. John's. 
Um, and I got to coach against the guy that was my mentor and <laughs> that got a little, little interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. but, uh, had a great experience. And I think that's, you know, being a superintendent, looking at those experiences that mm-hmm. are outside of classroom, number one, um, that they're important. They're an extension to the classroom. Yeah. You know, because here we are talking about those experiences, the lessons they taught us, the yeah. discipline, the ups and downs, organizing things, um, you know, and, you know, that's such an important part of trying to provide students those experiences. And for me, it was sports, but for someone else, it's the band. And I, I was in the band and yeah. I love that experience. It could be drama, chess club. It could be any of those things. And that's why those things are so important. And, and you, you bring up a good point because it, it's important for um, not only for, for us who do it, but for those kids yep. who decide to do it because uh, any sport club, Anything can teach you something different than your home or your job or your school or being right. in a classroom, like you said. So it's important. And I always stress to kids, too, when I talk to them, like, I want you to play football. I coach football. I want mm-hmm. you to do that. But if you can't, do something. Yeah. Because keep moving. Yeah. Uh, be in a club. Meet people. Create your own thing. If there isn't, if it doesn't exist, you yeah. know, that's, that's, it helps just develop you as a person. Right. You know. Yeah. I, I loved, you know, when I was at St. John's, our team, you know, we had, you know, 40, 50 kids out. Mm-hmm. And you can only have seven run varsity at a time, mm. and it was very competitive. And and uh, and um, it, it's just amazing that the the kids that I loved and respected, and and you know get cards from Christmas, yeah. you know Christmas cards from and announcements of you know births and stuff, are the kids that that were the thirty eighth fastest on the yeah. team. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, but but they felt like connected. They felt like part of the team. And as a coach, you know, and John Monheim, who's our girls cross country yes. coach and, and track coach, um, he and I, he was my assistant when I was at St. John's and, and he's just a, a, a great coach, a great person. And that was one of the things that I think we fostered was a sense of family, of a sense of belonging. And, mm-hmm. you know, that 30, the kid who was 38th felt like he was just as important as the number one or number two. Yeah. And we really tried to make it, um, be that way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, what else do you keep coming out for? You yep. know, because you're not going to get your varsity letter till you're a senior, and you're you're running, you know, 50 miles a week, and you know, but there was something there that was drawing those kids out, and and I think that's really important. The wins and losses are great, mm-hmm. and if you work hard at it, you do it the right way, they'll, they'll come. Mm-hmm. But you know, when we hire coaches, we want someone who's looking at the whole child. Yes, and that's really important. That's a, track was one of my favorite sports I did in high school. I threw shot and disc, and I had so much fun just being out there with my friends. Um, I was horrible at the disc. Um, I still threw it. H H made us throw. Coach Hen just made us throw both. Yeah. Until yeah. until we were seniors. Yeah. Um, but but even just being just being out there, I stayed for the entire meet. Shot and disc is right at the beginning, as you know. Um, if it's a home meet, a lot of times you can leave. But yeah. I I just love watching everything. Yeah. The yeah. four by four four was uh, awesome. I love watching that, especially when we were in high school. Uh, I think we won like five league championships in a row, mm-hmm. and it was cool. Sometimes they came down to that last yeah. race, and it's so exciting. And and yeah. if you're not in track, if you don't understand track or watch it, it's just it's just people running around. But yeah. but if you're in the know, it's it's so yeah. awesome. It's 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 just a great sport. And, yeah. And uh, and I joke now with with uh, Chuck Jaco, and and we introduced the new football head football coach mm-hmm. at the board meeting, and I said, you know. Outside of cross country and track, football is probably one of my other favorites. So it's all about cross country and track at Perrysburg. We want to build a dynasty. So, you know, we hire football coach, baseball, softball, girls, basketball, whatever. I'm like, yeah, let me know how it goes. When it comes to cross country, I'm working the phones. 
it, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. and, and it is one of those things. I always push the football players to run track or throw shot and disc. Yeah. You know, it just... Like I said, keep moving, keep doing yeah. things, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, you know, and that's one of those things. And, and there's a few sports where I think wrestling's another one. I had a, one of my sons, uh, Matthew, he wrestled. Mm-hmm. And it's just you and a competitor. And there's no timeouts. There's no stopping. And, and you know, and, and track is that way, too. Yeah. You're out there. You're on the track. And if it's not your day, it's it's... It's tough, but yeah. you know I give those kids so much credit for coming back or getting up off the mat after getting pinned, yep. and um, and that's what's great about it because in life you get pinned, mm-hmm. you get knocked down, and um, you know and and the lessons we learn, yeah, I couldn't tell you what Mrs. Jankowski in fifth grade taught me mm-hmm. specific. I can't remember that one lesson like oh that lesson changed my life, but yeah. I know how she made me feel. Correct. Yeah, I know you know I, how much I looked forward to, to her class and the way that she the things that she did. And, and I think, you know, being a classroom teacher, it's so important to be that person, you yeah. know, know your stuff. That's so important, but also you've got to connect with them in a way that, you know, 10, 15 years later, they're not going to remem- remember that lesson about, mm-hmm. you know, pronouns, Yeah, but they're going to, I really like that class. He was a really good teacher, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, how many kids do you have? So I have four children. Okay. So I have a daughter, Emily, who is 26 and she's married and, um, She's uh, uh, her husband. They met in high school. Her husband's uh, Chris Harris. He's a, uh, a Navy flyer. He's oh, a wow. pilot. So he's getting deployed today to, uh, oh. to Europe. So um, and uh, and then I have a son, Matthew, who works at Kent State University in the development office there. Son, Thomas, um, who is a junior in college and um, he was a disc and shot guy. Oh, was he? So he won the disc at the in the NLL. Oh, um, nice. And uh, and then threw for Tiffin and. And then Harrison um, is a uh, a freshman at Kent State, okay. so he just graduated from Perrysburg. So. Yeah, he was. I remember uh, watching him play basketball, and um, he was a good high jumper too. Right? Yeah, yeah, it, and that's you know that's one of the things you know with the whole COVID thing. So junior year, he won the NLL and high jump. Um, I don't remember exactly. He was six. I think he cleared six two or six three, mm-hmm. um, which for juniors a pretty respectable yeah. jump. Um, he was getting recruited by Division two schools, some Division three, and we went some college visits. And mm-hmm. you know they don't throw a lot of money at you with track, yeah. you know. Yeah. So and you you know that. But if it's something you want to do, and his older brother was throwing at Tiffin, so we understood how that worked. And and um, he's the, the schools we looked at. He's the one thing I always said is you know you got to go to a school that you're going to like. You're going to yes. it's going to bring something to you because. Um, you're not going to be a professional high jumper. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and, uh, and he'd like the schools, but not enough to like fully commit. So okay. he thought, well, you know, my senior year, I'm going to really hit it, going to do uh, some big things and it never happened. Yeah. So he, he was in touch with the Kent state coach. You know, they have a, one of the few Mac schools that have a track program mm-hmm. and, um, you know, they're, they're division one and, you know, they're, the athletes they get are pretty, uh, you know, pretty impressive. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. He had foot surgery over the summer. He was going to, you know, walk on and uh, try to be what they call like a multi-sport athlete. So doing multiple events. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, and uh, you know, he had foot surgery from a basketball injury that ended up blowing up on him in the summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's he's happy not to be competing. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, especially if it's your first year at, at a school yeah. and you don't know how it's going to be. Like, oh yeah, it'd be cool to play a sport and go to school, and then you realize, like, man, school is enough. Yeah, right. That's yeah. I, I uh, yeah, I, I can't imagine. I, I I thought about playing football, and man, 
any sport in college, yeah. you got to love to do yeah. it. I love to coach football, yeah. and I, I tell my the, the football yeah. players that all the time. And yeah. I said, "Did you play?" I said, "No, I, I like to play it." Yeah, you got to love it. Yeah. and those kids that have gone on to that yeah. I've coached have gone on to play. They love to do it. Yeah, and because it's your job. It is. And yeah, it's yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah. My, like my son, my my son Thomas, you know, thrower. The the weight training, mm-hmm. the practices. There's indoor season, outdoor season. There's no days off. Yeah. And when you when you're home for the summer, you're going out throwing every day, doing something to get better. Yeah. And uh, you know they're recruiting somebody from from high school coming in who wants to take your job. Yep. You know, so there's a whole other element. It's not like you know, hey, I'm in, I got it. Four years, I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> you, you're always looking over your shoulder, yeah. and the guy that you're training with, he's looking at you. So yeah. you know, so it you, you've got to accept that. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how how did you how did you get to Perrysburg, and what made you want to come here to be the superintendent? Yeah, so I li- I lived in Perrysburg, and and uh, Emily and Matthew were born here, and and we loved living here, and mm-hmm. and I worked at St. John's, I got the job up in in Michigan, at a high school, Addison High School, and um, and I just said, you know, this is, you know, for driving from Perrysburg up to Devil's Lake, and it's like sixty miles, yeah. not an easy way, and you know, when you're a high school principal, you, you're going to all the events, so you can't oh, come yeah. home, put your feet up you know, you're there. And, um, so we decided to, to move to Sylvania and, um, you know, and, and made that commute, which cut off about a half an hour. So it was a little more tolerable and, um, ended up getting a superintendent's job in like downriver Detroit area. So near flat rock, um, Huron schools. And, um, that was a great experience. I was, I was pretty young and I, I thought I wanted to be a superintendent um, I knew Huron um, from cross country. We, they had a really nice invitational. Knew the coach up there and and liked it and thought, you know, it's a little bigger than than where I was, about double the size. But um, they had actually they had an opening and it closed. And I called and said, I wonder who got hired. I didn't see anything because I'd like to see where I matched up. Oh yeah, yeah. And I called and they're like, well, they reposted it. They didn't hire anyone. Oh. And I'm like, well, it's far enough away that if I apply and I get laughed at and it crashes and burns, no one here will know, <laughs> you know. So I applied and uh, I got an interview and I'm like, well, that's exciting. And then, um, and then things got real serious. Mm-hmm. And so I started there uh, February of 2000. So this will be my 21st year as a superintendent. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, so, so I was there and, and enjoyed it and and. My wife, uh, we had other children, you know, so it was never a great time to move yeah. because, you know, either we had a newborn or, you know, she was pregnant. And, and uh, so, and they were, they, they, they knew that and they were fine. And um, so after being there about six years, seven years, I knew I wasn't going to retire from there. Mm-hmm. So there was no, you know, as the kids started getting settled, I knew that that wasn't going to be there forever. Yeah. Um, so knew Perrysburg well. Um, didn't know anyone in Perrysburg other than, you know, people like my John Monheim, mm-hmm. his wife, Andrea and I were cousins, our cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, so that was about the only folks I knew in Perrysburg and said, boy, it'd be great to get back. Yeah. And, uh, so threw my hat in the ring and, you know, in 2007, they hired me and grateful and happy to be here. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. It's been that long. Yeah. 2007. Yeah. That's, um, yeah, that's cool. You, you talked about when you know when you said you put your your you want to try to get a job and to get laughed at or whatever. That I think that's something 
that all people do. They just feel like they're not good enough for something. Yeah. And but that's such a that's such a uh, thing that it's it's hard to get rid of. Yeah. Like you, everybody sees you better than how you see you. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's such a it's such a bad. It can be a bad habit to get right. into, especially when you want to you want to reach for the stars and you're just like ah I'm not good enough or yeah. whatever. Like well you never know right. Just like yeah. with that job. Yeah. You no. Know. You're you're. You're right. I, 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 you know, and I think there's, there's, you know, I think fate, God, I think there's, there's things that people have happen to them that, that put you in the right place in the right time mm-hmm. that kind of counterbalances those insecurities that we yeah. all feel. And, you know, you can go through your life, you know, not wanting to try, yeah. you know, but you, you got, you have to, yep. and, you know, you prepare for those moments. And when I got hired at St. John's, you know, here I was a St. Francis grad. And St. John's, you know, this was early 1991, I think. Um, St. John's hadn't won a city league title since like 1978 when Jimmy Carter was president. Okay. And um, when I was at St. Francis as an assistant coach, we had an alumni versus team run at the beginning of the year. And we gave out a trophy, and it was a second-place trophy, and we called it the Titan Trophy because St. John's had always finished no higher than second. Oh, wow. So it was an intense rivalry, and um, I was up at Monroe Catholic Central, had a good, good year up there, and uh, interviewed. Ed Heinschel was the athletic oh. director. So I'm like, this is Ed Heinschel. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've screamed as loud as I could against him as a St. Francis <laughs> alum and graduate and... You know, he definitely didn't remember me from basketball because I was unremarkable. <laughs> and um, so I interviewed, and, and I thought, I don't know, you know. And I've heard about some of the other candidates that interviewed. Yeah. But, you know, Coach Heinschel, he, he saw something in me. Mm-hmm. He called me and said, you know, I think, I think what, you're, what we need in the program. And, yeah. you know, in, in, on a much, much smaller, much more removed scale, it became, you know, in, in the cross-country northwest Ohio corner, you know, it was like uh, Bo Schembechler. You know, you yeah. had to recruit somebody from the other side to come to oh, beat okay. them. So, yeah. you know, so three years later, <laughs> we'd won the state, or the not the state, we won the city championship. And Gary, who's still a dear, dear friend and, you know, one of my best friends, and, you know, there was a couple of weeks where we wouldn't talk to each other, and it got <laughs> pretty intense. And but yeah, uh, All it takes and, is, is, is that one person to, yeah, yeah. to give you a shot yeah. or to be in your corner and... And that's why I, I always I tell my son he's yeah. he's nine. My daughter's a little too young still, but I tell my son like you got to be nice to people because yeah. you never know who's going to come back no, in your no, life. No. And if you're if you're being a jerk to somebody, they they might you know they might have something you want yeah. or you need. You yeah, know, and they're gonna they're not going to be there for you. No, you know? and Ed was great to work with, and and you know good solid AD supported me and was excited and and you know was very supportive and and uh, Carl Wagner. Um, was uh, assistant principal at the time, but uh, was a runner, mm-hmm. was very interested in cross country, was great to see St. John's kind of come back. And we were in the top 10 every year. Oh, and, okay. You know, we were a, a, a pretty, you know, one of the best teams in the state. And, you know, that rivalry against St. Francis, all the old runners loved seeing <laughs> us, you know, take them down. And, and, um, and, uh, you know, there, there was a, he became the principal and there was an assistant principal opening and he, you know, I thought, well, I'll try. And, you know, he gave me an opportunity. And, and so I'm, and I watched him and, you know, you learn from people, mm-hmm. you know, working with Ed Heinschel, preparation, intensity, you know, rubs off on you a little bit. And, and Carl Wagner was someone who was very calm, um, didn't overreact, didn't make decisions in the heat of the moment. And I watched that and, and learned from that and, 
you know, really respected how he, so I've been fortunate to, to be, to have those people that come along the way, Yeah. you know, Gary Bryan, like I mentioned, outside of my family, you know, someone in, in his intensity and organization and motivating kids and the knowledge and skill and, you know, so I've been fortunate throughout my career to ha- to be around people that I've that I've stolen a lot from, yeah. that I've learned a lot, and you know, yeah. and and that's helped get me, you know, where I needed to go. Yeah. So so you've been here for since 2007. I I graduated uh, from Perrysburg in 2003, and um, since then I, I I've we moved to Perrysburg when I was 14. And uh, I've been in Perrysburg except for about four years. When my wife and I got married, we, we couldn't afford a house here yet. So we lived in Toledo for about four years and came back here. Um, I love Perrysburg. Uh, I love working here. Um, the community is great. Uh, I love being out there. My wife always makes fun of me because there's, every time we go somewhere, someone says hi to me or talks to me. And I'm sure that's the same way with you. Yeah. Like you just, you, People always want to talk and ask you questions and everything. And what, what do you like most about the community here in Perrysburg? You know, I think there is a certain um, expectation in the schools mm-hmm. and in the community that that we're Perrysburg. And and I, you know, borrowing a football analogy, you know, we're kind of the we're kind of the school district. We're kind of the community that that we're like that that running back that that just battles all game, gets into the end zone, mm-hmm. and they just walk up to the ref, hand them the ball, and get yeah. back in the huddle. Yeah. You know, and I think that's how Perrysburg is. You know, we, we have an expectation that, that we're good. Mm-hmm. We work at it really, really hard. Yeah. And, you know, we don't need to beat our chest. We're, we're just, we just go back to doing our work. Yeah. And, and I, think, I think that is a part of that, the DNA of the community. Um, I think Perrysburg is a very innovative place. Um, as a school district, I think we, we're willing to try things. I think the parents and community are willing to give us support to try different kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and that's it. And it's so important in life, you know, that, that you know, failure is an important part of life. Yes. And, and, you know, when we're looking at programs and piloting things and trying things, you know, we're going to fail. Mm-hmm. Things aren't going to go according to plan. And, and so it's important for us to, to if we're going to fail, let's fail forward. Yeah. Let's learn from this. Let's get back up. Let's see what we can do. And I think Perrysburg is that kind of place, too, mm-hmm. that, that we're willing to give it a shot, but you know, knowing that it doesn't always go to plan, but let's try. Yeah. Yeah. And I know obviously this, this past, you know, end of last school year and this school year, it's different and it's, it's weird. And it's gotta be, I, I talked to Scott Buecher about how they did it at the junior high and it was, it's, it's a lot of work and the offices put in a lot of work and, and ju- just for me, I'm just, I'm just Lorenzo, yeah. but I appreciate everything that you guys did. Everyone. Um, I only know two teachers because those are my kids' teachers. Mm-hmm. They're awesome. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Hamilton and Mrs. Zukowski at Woodland Elementary. They like everything's so prepared. This week, this the buffer week that yeah. Perrysburg gave us. Um, it's just everything's so smooth. Right. And obviously, you, there was a bunch of bumps last year because yep. we kind of got thrown into yep. it, right? Yep. Yep. So that's one of those things. Like you know, how can you be prepared for anything like that? Right. But we did learn not only the schools but the community learned how to deal deal with it and we're and that's what it is we're dealing with right. it you know nobody likes it but this is what we have to do right and i you know i give kudos to parishburg schools yeah. because they've you guys have done a really good job yeah thanks you know we've got a great team you know the teachers you mentioned are fantastic mm-hmm. and you know we we've hired really well and you know um and and that makes all the difference is having the right people in the right positions it's important coaching yeah and um it's certainly important when it comes to dealing with young children and their their lives and um, this has been a, you know, 
you hear the word unprecedented all the time. Yeah. And, you know, it's certainly unprecedented. And But I, I think it reveals a lot about ourselves. I think it reveals a lot about what we value in life, um, the things that are important to us. It's, it's kind of uh, made us stop a little bit in our mm-hmm. tracks, maybe not take things for granted, Definitely. appreciate things. And that's not always a bad lesson to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, some of those lessons we learn personally are learned from falling off the bike or getting into trouble or... And and it's like okay, what are we gonna do? We yeah. can't, you know, we we can't just be down. And um, and this is certainly something. The the challenge for me is when we've had issues and problems. There's always been this, you know, whether it's coaching or teaching or being an administrator, you just you just hunker down mm-hmm. and you just keep working harder mm-hmm. and you spend more hours, more time, and you push through it. And usually you can control things to a certain extent and and get out of it. Mm-hmm. With this, there's so much out of our control. Yeah. And that's been the hardest thing, I think, for a lot of our staff who just, you know, well, if we'll just dig in. We'll just work longer. We'll look, like coaches, you know, yep. we've got a big game. We're going to have to spend more time in film. We're going to have to, you know, what, you know, and you just, you just suck it up. Yeah. Um, and here, you can work long hours and do all the things you can do. And then, you know, the governor says we have to do it this way yeah. or, you know, all of a sudden there's an outbreak at a school and all the plans that you had. And it's like, oh, and, and you know, that's impacting kids and their families. And it's really tough. And, and I think the one thing for me, and, and I'm, I'm generally a pretty calm person, but, you know, I was telling someone the other day, you know, the, the word grace, you know, we, 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 you know, if you're a religious person, you, grace from God, you don't deserve it. You just get it. And and I think that um, it's taught me that I have to be more patient. I have to give people more grace, and and sometimes I have to remind myself that you know the people that that overreact and jump and you know don't understand you know the situation, you know um, you just hope that they give you grace sometime too, yeah. you yeah. know because you can't always control that. And and I think that's been the hardest thing is you know no matter what you do. And we had a board meeting Monday night, and mm-hmm. we come out with a plan, and we're going to do this. And it's thoughtful, and we've talked about it, and there's data, and you just know people are going to be upset by it. And sure enough, the next day, you've got emails saying, kids <laughs> yeah. need to be back five days a week. Yeah. Other places are doing it. What's wrong with you? You're, a, you know, you're this or you're that. Yeah. And then the very next email is, you know, kids should not be in school at all. Yeah. You know, you're making me make decisions about my family. What's wrong with you? You're this or you're that. <laughs> And he's just like, well, okay, yeah, wow. we're just going to keep doing the best that we can yeah. and do what's right for kids and and um, try to push through. Yeah. So that's all you can do. Yeah. Well, let's get to. Um, I uh, like I I noticed I did see Scott sent me you did a TEDx talk. Yeah, yeah. And and the first thing that jumped out to me is you ain't own a Bruce Willis album, and that's I didn't even know he made music. I mean, was yeah. it how good was it? Well, it wasn't good. I, I own it. So, so I, you know, it was the eighties. It was that period that I alluded to where I wasn't making always the best decisions. Can that be um, described as a horrible decision? No. Bruce Willis album? You know, it, it, it was, it was, a it was a bluesy Motown. Okay. He sang about like you would expect Bruce Willis to sing. He played harmonica. It was, it was like a fun album. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he sang Under the Boardwalk, a great drifters. I love R and B. He sang uh Secret Agent Man. There there you know, he did a um 
Staple Sister, um, Respect Yourself song. Okay. So it had that, and it was on a Motown label. And I love Motown. Marvin Gaye, I just... And so I heard it, and I'm like... You know, and he was really big. I mean, this was even before... The album came out, I think, before Die Hard. Okay. Um, so he was on Moonlighting and, and uh, you know, kind of the wise guy. And, <laughs> and I'm like, I like, I like that sound. I like, the, I like that. So, yeah, I do. And I have a... I have albums framed in my office, so if you're ever watching the news in an interview, I'm in my office. If you look in the background, and I change them out depending on the mood. Um, however, I have one area in my office that's kind of tucked away, and Bruce Willis, there's a couple albums that are there. I never change them, and Bruce Willis is one of those. So to answer your question, <laughs> I, I, I still like it, but uh, yeah. <laughs> you said it so begrudgingly, like you didn't want to like it. Do you, do you um, because he had, he had from, from my understanding, he had more than one album. Uh, I, I think he only had one. Oh, one was he? enough. Yeah. Oh, maybe. maybe, maybe there was some more, but I only owned one. So, mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Respect Yourself did get, it was probably Billboard Top 40. Um, you know, and if you, if you saw, there was a video that was with it and he's a bartender and, but again, there's an original staple song, and and uh, you know I've always I've always loved the the, the R and B Motown, and, and it had totally that vibe. So mm, okay, yeah, but not not I have a lot of other better musical tastes, so don't well, judge me just on no, that. No, there's, there's definitely more than one Bruce Willis. <laughs> All right, yeah, that, that's that's so <laughs> that's so weird, and that's the thing I would never yeah I would never know yeah. So so you you said you like R and B yep. uh, Motown is yeah. that you've you like that growing up? Is that I did. You know, there there was a uh, growing up. There was a um, you know, my mom always had music on, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I remember distinctly there was a CKLW was an AM radio out of uh, Canada. It had it was like a fifty thousand watt. I don't know what it means, but they talked about it a lot <laughs> growing up, and they played a lot of Detroit, Motown, but also just a great eclectic. Um, um, music. So yeah. they'd have Johnny Cash, they'd have, you know, um, Paul McCartney, you know, Wings. And, and so, um, so I grew up, you know, listening to that kind of diversity. And, and so I, you know, I've, I've you know, I, I really love all different kinds of music. Yeah. So I'm not really nailed down to anyone. And, you know, people say, well, if you had to pick a walk-up song, what would it be? And I, I dread that. I mean, I like have to like, oh no, what would that be? It could be, you know, could be Rush Spirit of Radio. I love the intro to that, but I don't know. The Doors Soul Kitchen is just a real great, I, you know, so. But yeah, it, you know, I love, um, uh, you know, Aaron Copeland is a, is a composer. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I got me into classical music and, and that led to, you know, a lot of the classics. But I, I love his, you know, he's an American composer. And you hear his music, and, and you know there's you know he's American, yeah. you know, and there's that kind of, you know, I, it's hard to describe his approach, but it led to a lot of other things in jazz. I played Barry Sax, so I love jazz. You know, Johnny Coltrane, sax player, and and uh, you know, there's there's country music that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, rap, it was something that came later to me, and um, and and I probably appreciate it more now than I did when I was oh, young. Yeah? And I don't know if you saw the um, the Last Dance, uh, yes, uh, I ESPN, did. Michael yes. Jordan. The soundtrack in that was just yeah. awesome, <laughs> wasn't it? It, it was. It was very yeah, good. Yeah. So I so there's there's that element, and um, 
Yeah, I have my guilty pleasure. So mm-hmm. I, you know, Bruce Willis is one of them. Thanks for that. <laughs> um, Herb Albert is is a uh, is a guy that played the the uh, trumpet. Like mm-hmm. if you asked your grandparents who he was, they would know. <laughs> but he he, um, you know, I saw him live in concert um, uh, three years ago. Uh, and, uh, and he was, he was really good and he's like 80, Wow! but, but he's a little bit, he's the guy that, um, uh, trumpet player, um, popular in the sixties. Um, and then in the seventies, he and another guy started A&M records, like Mm -hmm. the big A&M records. So he owned a record company. He discovered the carpenters, the police. I mean, he was huge. Um, and then he ended up, before he sold it, um, the last artist that he performed with had a top 10 hit was um, um, Janet Jackson mm. and song Diamonds, and there's a trumpet player, and it's him. Oh, wow. So he was on Jimmy, uh, not Jimmy Kimmel, who's the other uh, late night guy. Um, uh, Jimmy Fallon? Yeah, Jimmy Fallon, thanks. Mm-hmm. A, a few years ago. So if you Google Jimmy Fallon, Herb Albert, he, he's on there, and yeah. it's just, he's just a really cool dude. <laughs> and does a lot of philanthropy, but... Um, yeah, concerts. I, music always has been a big part of you know the way I've remembered things and connections and you know my latest thing. And this is weird, and and I feel so bad for my assistant um, and <laughs> communication. They they have an office. My door's open. They can hear. It's just probably torture for them. But I I like you know all these different kinds of music. Yeah. So they're always hearing something different. And then I've been into so- movie soundtracks. Oh really? I just love the. You know, John Williams, you know, he's, he's, he did Jaws, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Indiana Jones, I mean, you know, Harry Potter. <laughs> and then you start getting into like, you know, Hans Zimmer and, and he did the Batman and, and Inception and some of these other. And, and I saw now I've been really interested in that. What, what, what do you get out? Cause I, I don't listen to a lot of music, yeah. uh, but when I do, I listen to music that I've known for years, yeah. but I like listen to the words Yeah, and the only like orchestra type musicals yep. um instrumental I can listen to is the Vince Gagliardi trio. Yeah. <laughs> I love listening to the peanut yeah, stuff. Yeah. But yeah. It, but that again that just goes back to it reminds me when I was a kid. Yeah. I yeah. just I don't know. I just yeah. I don't get much out of no words. Yeah. So so look at it this way. Did you cry in the movie Rudy? And and you can tell no one will know. It'll be <laughs> I our don't secret. remember. I don't remember to be honest. You know, so the movie Rudy <laughs> That part where he's trying to get into Notre Dame. Oh, yes. And he gets the letter, and he goes out, and he reads it, Mm -hmm. and he just puts it back in his book, and he starts, you know, and if you you watch that scene with the volume muted. Yeah. Just nothing. You get nothing. You turn it it on. Jerry Goldsmith did the, I'm I'm a nerd, I told you. (laughs) Jerry Goldsmith did the music to that. And the music starts to swell and it builds and it, it hits you right here. Mm. And then, you know, five years from now, another another great soundtrack, um, you know, Forrest Gump. You know, there's the great songs, but when you listen to the music um, that is kind of underneath it all, it, it really changes the entire experience. And mm-hmm. so, you know, so one of the things I get from that instrumental is it, it gives me that emotional feel that I okay. feel in the movie. Yeah. And even though I'm not seeing, you know, Forrest Gump, you know, in, in that scene, I'm, I'm I'm connected to it in some way. So it's kind of, you know. When you listen to one of those soundtracks, you listen to the song, can you picture the movie at that time? Yeah, I mean, it helps. I, I had one um, just recently. This is, just, like I said, this is nerdy. <laughs> 
um, Hans Zimmer did one. Um, it was a, a space movie, Interstellar. And I li- there's a Sirius satellite channel. I have Sirius. I, it's the one I could do without TV. I can't live without my Sirius satellite yeah. and Spotify. But, but anyway, um, I heard a couple of the songs from this. And it was one of those ones I, I didn't have the mental picture. I didn't have that emotional contact. But I heard it, and I'm like, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I downloaded the soundtrack, listened to it. I'm like, wow. That is really good. Now I have to go watch the movie. <laughs> so I hope it's a good movie. It's Matthew McConaughey. So I couldn't go too wrong. But, no. but I think, you know, I mean, there's, there's, you know, so I start, you know, I'm able to like say, all right, um, the movie Stripes, love the movie Stripes. And you listen to that music, which you really don't pay attention to yeah. until you start to. And it's like this spirited, it's Elmer Bernstein, who is this great conductor, did all these great World War II movies, you know, and, and you're like, how did they get him to do this comedy? But it has that same. But I, I think it. I think it's such an important element that it brings to to the to the experience. Mm-hmm. And you know, and again, coming back to school, that's a recognition that for that student who's in that band class, who's in orchestra, they're probably wired like that, where yeah. that music is touching them in a place that you know that poem, that sonnet, that piece of art. You know, each of us have those triggers, kind yeah. of a keyhole into learning more about ourselves. Yeah. And I think that's what's great about Perrysburg is it gives students all these keyholes that they can go and open the doors and experience these things. And, and um, you know, that's what you really want for your schools. Yeah, yeah. Um, one other thing, you, um, you're a big car guy specifically ford uh yeah my dad worked for ford yeah. so you know it, it it you know i'm a little biased but yeah yeah ford guy um i i, you I like just classic cars i do okay. love them yeah love them um just the the type you know going all the way back to the to the 30s with duesenberger duesenberg's cords um just great cars and and the muscle cars of the you know the 60s 70s just just love 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 cars yeah so yeah that's i have uh my like i said my dad was at gm so we yeah. always have gm yeah. products yeah. and um so i don't like ford yeah as much yeah. but <laughs> I, I know. Yeah. 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 I, I, what's I, your favorite uh muscle car favorite car if you could own one or two cars right now today the wife wouldn't know about it what would it be so i have um the one car it's it's a car. When I was a little kid, my grandpa it was my grandparents' car, and they would pick us up every weekend and take us to my me and my brother. And my sister wouldn't be back seat. It's a 1985 Monte Carlo SS, mm. and that car. They still have that car, wow. and I have been working for years <laughs> to get that car. Because yeah. not only is was it the same year I was born, yeah, but it's a car we spent yeah. our childhood in yeah. the back seat, yeah. And uh, so that I would love. Yeah. Love to have That's that. That's a car. hot car. Yes. Yeah. That that eighty five. I graduated in eighty six, so that was like one of the cars. Yeah. It's, so I remember it's a, like a purple maroon paint job yeah. with a red stripe around it. Yeah. Uh, I I love that car. Yeah. And, and another car, my and my wife my wife doesn't understand, but it's a early nineties, maybe like ninety two, ninety three uh, Chevy Impala SS. Okay. They're huge. Yeah. Huge wide body, and they were cop cars for a while yeah. too. Yeah. And those, my dad even told me, those became like instant 
classic cars. Yes, and yes. It, he said it was unbelievable. Yeah, you know, he remembers that though. Yeah, it, it's you know, and and I had the opportunity to work downriver Detroit, and so much of Detroit area is the automotive industry. One of the board members um, had a connection. We scoped the Detroit Auto Show mm-hmm. before it opened, mm, and he nice. let me walk around, and it was just amazing to see the new cars, yeah. you know, and what changes were happening, and. Um, but yeah, the, the old cars, you know, there's something about that, something about the, the music in that period that when you're, when you're that, that teenager, Mm -hmm. that, that period that your, your mind and, and emotions and first experiences are all happening. And, and there's something that is like imprinted on us. And, and Mm -hmm. so, you know, getting back to that, that music of that era, the, the cars of that era, the movies is, it's pretty neat, you know, how that just kind of, it's like a. A fingerprint that we can't really shake. Do you, you know? do you ever like um, have your kids, and maybe not now, but maybe when they were younger, like let's watch this movie from when I was little, or let's do this, and and it, it, you want it to go so well, and they're just like, get out of here, I don't. Yeah. Want <laughs> so we were, we were talking about this the other day. Um, Thomas and Harrison were home, and and uh, we were talking about music, walk walk up songs. I'm mm-hmm. like, so what would be your walk up song if you had to pick one? What would it be? Because you know, I'm I'm like. And 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 I think I th- it might have been Harrison who said, you know, you should go with the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald by Gordon Lightfoot. Do you know that song? I don't know. Oh, you have to Google it. The wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. He's like, that is the most dad song ever, <laughs> because I every anniversary. So, so there's you know, growing up in Point Place, these Lakers would come in on the Maumee River, and they mm-hmm. were huge ships, and we'd ride our bikes to the banks. These boats would come in and the waves would crash because they were so big. And, um, and, and you couldn't imagine those sinking. Yeah. I mean, they, they parked like downtown Toledo. It's those big boats. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I remember distinctly growing up and, and the news, breaking news, and there were several people who were on the crew that one of those boats, actually the biggest one on the Great Lakes, just disappeared in Lake Superior. Wow. And, and it was, it, again, I was a young kid. I'm like... No, you know, I mean, I've seen the water, you know, out in the bay, we'd take a ride down there when it would storm and the mm-hmm. wind would come off, especially from the east and, and you'd see the waves and just how volatile it'd be. But it's like, there's no way, how could that happen? Mm-hmm. And then Gordon Lightfoot, this, this kind of seventies folk guy came up with the song. It's a haunting song. And, and, um, and it's that experience. I like tell my kids like, okay, we, we went up to Mackinac. I'm like, oh, we got to listen to this the whole way to Mackinac <laughs> Island. And we went to the Great Lakes, you know, museum. And it's like, okay, dad, stop. This is your life, not mine. So, but, you know, I said, I go, yeah, that's a great song. I go, but you don't change it when it comes on. He's like, no, it's a good song. Dad. It's good. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, we try. It fails. But yeah. I think that in there... You know, and maybe maybe um, years are a little young, but one of the things that I did do is, I with each of the kids we picked concerts to go to. Okay, and um, and and that was important to me. And and since they were young and I was old, I could pick who to go see yeah. with them. So <laughs> Thomas and I, his first concert was Bob Seger. You know that that was great. Uh, my son Matthew, um, we saw Rush and the Police when mm-hmm. they did the reunion tour together. Um, Harrison is his music tastes are more like mine, a little more all over. But we've seen um, Bob Seger. We we we've seen U two twice, you know. So oh. that's good. Um, there's a, a Pink Floyd cover band that comes to Toledo. I love Pink Floyd, 
and they're a cover band, but yeah. they do a really great job. I've dragged the kids to that, and they're like, Dad, <laughs> just stop. I don't, you know. And now they're older, and you know, you hear the music that at yeah. least I do, and all of a sudden I'll hear a Pink Floyd song. Yeah. Oh, you like Pink Floyd? They're like, yeah, they're pretty good. You know, I didn't know when I was 10 yeah. what Pink Floyd Dark Side of the Moon was. But now that, you know, I'm older in my 20s, dad, what were you thinking? I have a playlist on Spotify that's just old music that my dad, yeah. that I remember my dad listening to. Yeah. Like my one of my favorite uh, songs that my dad really liked was Magic Carpet Ride. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I listen to that all the time. It just, it. It's, it makes me feel yeah. like I listen to it in the morning going to work because it makes me feel like yeah. ready to go, you know, excited. Isn't that great? So, the songs that you attach like your dad, like yeah. your dad. And my, my dad is, a, there's a couple, but Buffalo Springfield, for what it's worth. Mm. Um, and if you heard it, you would know it, but it's, uh, it's a kind of a 60s, 70s kind of anti war song. Okay. And, uh, and, and I remember my dad driving 73 Dodge Charger. I'm in the front seat, no seatbelt, hanging out the window. That comes on CKLW AM radio or, or, you know, 1470. And my dad would turn it up and yeah. you're like, look at it. Like, all right, this is, this must be good. Yeah. You know, my mom had one. Um, my brother and I used to play the, pretend to play the guitar running in our hallway. It was La Bamba. Oh yeah. And yeah. she used to play yeah. that really loud on yeah. a record player. And we just go up and down the hallway yeah. pretending to play guitar. Yeah. Yeah. And, and music is great for that. We talked about in the last podcast with yeah. Nick and Brady. It's great to, just immediately take you back somewhere. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's, it's great. Yeah, so. yeah. That that um, you know, it, it's it's interesting. Harrison um, in in elementary school had to do write a letter to somebody famous. Mm-hmm. So we were talking about. It. He goes, "I want to write a letter to LeBron." And and like, well, it's the middle of basketball. You like whoever you want, but you're probably not going to get a response. And there's a guy, artist Bruce Hornsby, um, popular in the '80s, very eclectic musician, mm-hmm. piano player. Mm-hmm. And, and he had two twin boys that Harrison knew about. Harrison likes basketball and track. The two twin boys, one went to Oregon, which is like the mecca for track oh, runners. Yes, yeah. You know, it's like going to Alabama or Ohio State if you're a football player. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and his son was a runner, 400-meter distance guy, okay. you know. And then his other son played basketball for LSU. Oh, wow. And he's like, I like I'm going to write a letter to Bruce Hornsby. <laughs> So, so I came home one day and my wife's like, I need to talk to you. And I'm like, okay, what? She's like, I got a phone call from Bruce oh Hornsby. My. He wants to talk to Harrison. I'm just like, <laughs> can I talk to him? Yeah. I was like, man, like why? I... So, so like that night the phone rang and my wife Robin goes and picks it up and, and she's like, Harrison, it's for you. And Harrison's like, Hello. And he's like, oh, hi. He's like walking through the house, pacing, <laughs> like we're following him. So we had uh, tickets to a show to see him at a music festival that summer in Columbus. Mm-hmm. And it was like an outdoor three-day camping festival. Okay. And he said, uh, great. He goes, I'll have my people call you. Come early. I'll give you sp- I'd love to meet you. Oh, wow. So we got to go and hang out with Roos Hornsby before his concert, meet the whole band, um, um, uh, Branford Marsalis, sax player, Marsalis family, jazz legends. Mm-hmm. He was there. Um, one of the guys from the Grateful Dead, because Hornsby played keyboards for the Grateful Dead in okay. the 90s. Um, and, and I didn't know it at the time, but they played some Hornsby music, but it was mostly Grateful Dead music. I liked the Grateful Dead. But the Grateful Dead attracts deadheads uh-huh. and people that were camping and people that were experiencing mind-expanding yep. experiences in this outdoor venue. Mm-hmm. So we're walking in, and there were like, 
I can. They had hula hoops. They were girls. They had like loincloths on, yeah. like a bikini top. And Harrison's like, like in fourth grade. <laughs> I'm questioning my judgment as a parent <laughs> at this point. And he's like pointing at him. He goes, Dad, Dad. He goes, Come here. And I bent down. He's like, Are those hippies? <laughs> and I'm like, Yeah, buddy, they're hippies. He's like, Hippies are dirty. I'm like, Yes, <laughs> yes. Don't ever forget that. So we go to this concert, and it is crazy, and, you know, the crowd there, and, and so it's fun. So we've seen, and he's maintained kind of contact with Bruce Hornsby over the years. They've oh, written wow. each other things, and we've seen him in different venues, and, and just That's a amazing. great guy. And, yeah, so we've got pictures of Harrison with an Oregon Ducks track t-shirt with Bruce Hornsby, so, and I'm wow. living vicariously. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> but, you know, you mentioned La Bamba. Um, you know, um, and, and this is something that, um, so my mom's Hispanic okay, and, um, and growing up, you know, that, that music, that, that was also the salsa. That was also mm-hmm. something that, that I enjoyed and I got all my dad's genes. So you, you're looking at me, you can't tell, but you know, but that, that was something that when that movie came out, I remember that that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So great soundtrack. We, my, uh, my, my, uh, dad loved, uh, music. Mm-hmm. And I listen to Kahuta music all the time, yeah, and, yeah. Um, but I don't know—I don't speak Spanish. Yeah, but I love just listening to it, yeah, yeah. and um, yeah. and hearing the the the, the um, accordion, especially. Yeah. yeah, and my grandfather played in bands. Yeah. My dad would just tell me how he used to sing, but he had to stop singing because he he couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he played guitar for a long time. My grandfather did. Yeah, and um, but yeah, just again, just listening to that music. Um, Knowing none of the words, you yeah, know, but yeah. it's it's uh it's cool. It's it it gives you a nice for for me. It gives me a nice feeling. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. My grandpa and grandma grew up speaking Spanish first. They came from Texas and learned English. Had a thick accent, mm-hmm. and you know it was interesting back then. Like with my mom, they didn't want to pass on that culture. They didn't want their mm-hmm. kids learning Spanish. They were American, yep. and they were going to be brought up that way. Yeah. And it's one of the probably regrets my mom had was. You know, understood why. You know, at the time, yep. it was a little more challenging to to come up. And uh, he was a business owner, you know, World War II veteran. But you know, probably wasn't easy, and didn't want wanted his kids to have an easier yeah. path too. So, my, well, my mom talks about the same thing. Both both my parents are Mexican. Mm-hmm. My both sets of my grandparents came from Mexico. Yeah. And um, my mom just said a few weeks ago, like she she says she wish she would have had more time to teach us yeah. Spanish. Yeah. Uh, for a long time, she would blame my grandma for not teaching us. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's it's something that I um, I miss, and I wish you yeah. know I wish I could have it um, speak it. And yeah. you know, it's never too late to learn. My sister yeah. is pretty good at yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and even my mom's part of the Hispanic um, group in Toledo, yeah. and she said I'm on there because I speak Spanish, and the other three don't. But I mm-hmm. keep telling them, like you don't have to speak Spanish. Yeah. You can still be part of the culture. You're yeah. you're who you are. Yeah. Just because you don't speak the language doesn't mean you're not part of it. Yeah. But it's it, it, but it, well, I understand because my dad talks about the same thing. Like we're 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 already we already look different. Mm-hmm. We don't want to sound different yeah. too. Yeah. So yeah, and and like I said, I my mom, you know, you know, and brothers are dark, you mm-hmm. know, and dark eyes, brown eyes. They're always girls always love them. Yeah. <laughs> I got all my dad's jeans and and uh, you know blonde hair when I was younger, blue eyes and. I got to be six foot four, and yeah. you know my grandpa was a really small guy. I painted with him, you know, and you know one of the jobs that I took was he ran a painting company, and I painted houses with him, and 
you know, I had that experience with them and, and, um, really very close to him. And, um, you know, and, you know, since he, he's passed away, um, you know, I felt like anytime anyone in the family would, would pass away, I would go kind of representing. So okay. here I am in the church in South Toledo off of Broadway and Seeger. Yeah. And I'm there, you know, six five, Who's this six guy? four, yeah. tall, you know, like and, and they've gotten to know me. So it's been kind of nice to connect mm-hmm. with his family, extended family. Yeah. You know, yeah. So they've been very inclusive. Yeah. So <laughs> Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for um for saying you're a nerd, you said it several times the most ever, and we are the Nerdball Podcast, so that's fit right that's in good. for today. That's so, good. <laughs> um, I'll let you I'll let you get out of here. I, yep. I appreciate your time. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah. This was this was awesome. Yeah. For, again, for someone who um, I knew very little about, it's uh, it's I've I've said it all the time on this podcast. This for me, it's to learn about people I know already, just to learn more about them. Yeah. So it's uh, I like I said, I appreciate you coming on, and um, yeah. Well, you got to do two things. One, sure. you have to listen to the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Okay, you know, you just have to. And uh, Bruce Willis, just don't judge me when you see me, you know, around. And uh, I'll uh, I'll put that on. <laughs> see, find it on Spotify and give it a listen. I haven't listened to it yet. I just I couldn't get over the fact he made an album. So yeah, yeah, the actor. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> what can't Bruce Willis do? Really, <laughs> that's true. All right. Well, thanks well, again. Oh, uh, it's an honor. Thank you. What a great podcast. Thanks again to our guest, Superintendent of Perrysburg Schools, Tom Hostler, for joining me on this episode of the Nerdball Podcast. And of course, this episode and all episodes are brought to you by Real JP Multimedia. For all your audiovisual needs, visit realjp.com, R E E L J P.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.